0: Hey guys, we are so glad you're here with us at Journey Church Online. If you're interested in getting more information about Journey Church, we have a messaging service where you can text the phrase, My Welcome to 94,000. This will help you get to know a little bit more about Journey Church. Also, if you want updates texted to your phone about what's going on here at Journey Church, please text the phrase, My Journey to 94,000. As we get ready for today's message, take a minute and share this video with someone. The small action of sharing this video on social media could be the start of life change for whoever sees it. Now, let's take a look at what's coming up around Journey Church.
1: Welcome to Journey Church Online. Uh, today we kind of finalize or wrap up our series, Committed. And uh, today we're talking about being committed to prayer. And, you know, there's uh, a lot of things that we have talked about, missions and, and uh, to sharing Christ. But, man, we also see that, you know, Jesus was committed to prayer. And uh, we want to be a church of prayer. I want, to, I want to share a statement with you that is from our vision statement. This was before we ever even moved here or planted Journey Church God had kind of given me a vision of what Journey Church would be like, and it's one of the things. If you want to go to our website, you can go there and check it out and see all that we envision. We want to be creative. We want to be a place of celebration, but we also want to be a a place of prayer. And it says we envision being a church utterly dependent on God, where prayer is like breathing. In other words, it's something that comes natural. It's something that you know that we do every day. It's not something that we just do in special times. There's there's times for special focused prayer. But that we are a a people and we're a church where our leadership and our people are praying consistently and daily. And they're interceding, you know, not only for our nation and for our leaders, but for the people in our lives. And we're asking for God's will to be done. We really want to see the kingdom of God expanded. And so for every one of us, we have a role and responsibility to be people of prayer. Uh, And so... So this statement here, we envision being a church utterly dependent. In other words, we're dependent on God. We're not trying to just do things and asking God to bless it. God, hey, will you bless what we're doing? But we're saying, God, we want to be dependent upon you. And so where prayer is like breathing, like I said, it's just the breath in our lungs. I want to read a passage to you here out of uh, First Thessalonians. It says, always be joyful. In other words, we're to, we're to make a choice. And uh, In just a few weeks, we're going to be doing a series on Philippians that talks about that, about choosing joy, but it says always be joyful, never stop praying. In other words, there's not supposed to be a time where we stop praying, but we are to be continually in prayer. You know, you don't have to stop, get down on your knees, but there is a time for that. There's not times that you have to pull away, but there's times for that. But there is a thing that we should be doing daily, and that is praying. You'd be driving down the road, man, God brings somebody to mind. Maybe you give them a phone call, maybe you text them, but the thing that God may be telling you to do is to pray for them. And so we ought to be constantly praying for people that God has put in our life. Praying for God to open doors. Praying for God's provision you know, for the church and for the kingdom. And praying you know, for God to the point of where, like I said, we're just dependent upon Him. But never stop praying. And then it says, be thankful in all circumstances. I know this may be hard to hear. But even in this pandemic, we ought to be thankful in all circumstances that God has not forsaken us. That He is here he is working, even with all the strife and all the political junk that is going on in our nation right now. There's a lot of stuff that is causing division, and that Satan is having a field day. But we ought to be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So God is telling us right here in His Word to be joyful, never stop praying, and to be thankful. And so going through this pandemic, going through some of the challenges that we're facing, we're to be focused on those things. We're to stay focused on God. He never moves. He never wavers in any way. So we're to be focused on him. I want to read to you out of Matthew chapter 6 here. It says, when you pray, in other words, it's not about whether or not you're going to pray. And I know there's some of you that may wrestle with prayer. You go, you know, I'm just, I get too embarrassed to pray publicly or in front of someone. And I won't ever forget, you know, Miss Leah Chandler, a lady here in our church, you know, for years she had never prayed aloud. And finally one day she did. She said, you know, it was a breakthrough for her. I can remember one night we were doing First Wednesday, and uh, I asked some people to kind of gather up in groups and to pray. And, um, and anyway, a lady prayed for the very first time. She said, Man, I wanted to bolt when you said that we had to pray. She said, But it was a breakthrough for me. And we realize when we finally get to that point, we realize we we're not talking to the people around us. We're talking to the God of the universe. And, uh, and so we, we get to have that conversation with Him. So prayer is a powerful thing. And so it says, When you pray, it's not a question of whether or not you're praying, but when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. In other words, if you're, if you're just praying for a show, you, you've already received your reward, and that's what it says here. Uh, you know, If you're praying just for a show, you've missed what prayer is about. But they're praying so that people can see them. It says, I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private, and then your Father who sees everything will reward you. And so when we look at this passage here, we realize you know, that you know, prayer is a powerful thing. We're told to do it. That's Jesus teaching there on the, the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching about prayer. He's teaching about me, you know, meeting the needs of the needy. And then he talks about the importance of prayer. And so why, why pray in private? And so I want us to look at this. Why pray in private? That's a good question to ask. Why in private? We just saw that there are some who pray Publicly, and they want people to see them. There's people that's kind of babble on and on and on, and they want people to see, you know, their repetition, and that becomes religion rather than a relationship. And so we're to pray without ceasing. So we we pray to establish this the, the proper focus. So why pray in private is to kind of bring the focus back to where it needs to be. We we're to pray without ceasing, but there is a time for focused prayer, to where we we really dial in on something. So to establish the proper focus. And so let's look at a, a couple of things that we need to do here. Shutting the door shifts the focus off of others. And I know a lot of times when we pray, we make it always about the people around us. And there's a time to intercede for people, but really prayer, really the focus should be for us to focus on who God is. And what we do is we bring our, our list. We've got this long list and we say, Hey, God, just, Hey, I wanted to bring all of these people to you. Now, there's a, there's a, time to intercede for them, but I'm just saying there's a time that we are to just focus on who God is. And, and so when by shutting the door, it shifts the focus off of others and allows us to really kind of move to this next point. Look at this here. It says, no one to impress, imitate, or evaluate. We can simply focus on God. So when we get into private, there's no one to impress with our words, maybe our flowery words. No, you know, and sometimes whenever we're praying, are we praying to impress the people around us? Are we praying to You know, to kind of let people know what we know, or are we praying with a pure heart? And so whenever we close that door, we move into a private time, there's no one to impress and imitate. Um, You know, I, I think about imitation. You know, if you've ever been around kids, you know, whoever the cool kid is or wearing certain clothes, it's not long before other kids want to wear the same shoes that guy wears, the same shoes that girl wears, whatever. And so we imitate. It can be the same way in church. We can begin to imitate people that we see. Pastors are notorious for this. They'll find some guy they want, they like the way he dresses or the way he teaches or whatever, and all of a sudden it's how you, you know what? Hey, I'm going to be like him. Well, God's created you to be you, and so whenever we get into our private time, there's nobody to you know to impress. There's nobody to imitate, and there's a lot of distractions are are, are, are just kind of washed away, and so we can simply focus on God. Here's another one. You know, we can still intercede for people. Like it says, the focus shifts off of others for a minute, for a moment. There's a time, you know, we think about, you know, the old acrostic adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication acts. And so, what we're to do is we're to enter God's presence with adoration. The focus is on God. We're adoring Him, adoration, confession. We're confessing any sins that maybe we have in our heart. We're asking God to reveal anything. Thanksgiving. We give God thanks for all that He's done. Just like it said earlier in the passage, we thank God for all that He's done. And in every circumstance. And then supplication, we stand in the gap. We intercede for others. And so we can still intercede for them. But the thing is, is we can't let the, our whole focus time be about just focusing on other people. The focus really needs to be on God. And so in our time of prayer, we're to literally shut that door and it allows the, the focus to sh- shift off of others. And here's another one. Shutting the door uh, shifts the focus off of self. You know, one one of the things I I love is whenever we get alone, sometimes we need solitude. This past week I was able to take a few days and and just spend some time in prayer. Nobody there, just me and God. Just, Just, you know, one of those times where you just find that time to get alone. And for many of us, man, it's hard to find that time. We've got kids, we've got schedules, we've got work, we've got church, we've got all these things going on. But I think there's something powerful about being able to take some time to just slow down and just be just you, you know, alone, just you and God, just in a conversation, just, maybe just a time to listen. Like the Bible says, to be still and know that He is God. Just realize, you know what, God, thank you that you even want to meet with me. But shifting that focus is, is a big deal off of, off of self. And Look at what it says here. It says, with no one to impress, we can be a little less self-conscious. In other words, we're not worried about anybody else, so all of a sudden the attention comes off of, off of self. Self-conscious is a, a form of pride. And pride is never a good thing whenever you're walking into the presence of God. And we can become more God-conscious to where we're, we realize, you know what? I'm meeting with the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm meeting with the God of the universe. And so we become more God-conscious. And in private focused prayer, God's Holy Spirit may reveal more of who we are. In other words, it shows where we are. It shows our brokenness. It shows our need. It shows you know, what, what's really you know, important, important to us. And then look at this other, more of who He is. And how to walk in light of His Word. So the Holy Spirit will take that time that when we meet with God, the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal maybe some of the areas of need in our life. It'll reveal maybe some of our areas that we're really being plastic or phony or fake or whatever, and He'll He'll, he'll kind of bring that to light. And here's an incredible thing: God's Word will oftentimes sharpen like a sharpened sword will literally cut that away and say, "Listen, you don't need this. You don't need to be this way." And so from our time in in prayer, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to us and reveal these things, and reveal, reveal more of who God is, and then also reveals you know how to walk in light of His Word. Look at what it says here in Psalms. Psalm says, "The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who who, who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them His way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep His covenant." And obey his demands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. And so as we come into the very presence of God, you know, it allows us to realize, you know what, man, I am undone, and the focus comes off of us, and we begin to focus on who God is. In that time of prayer, the more that we focus on who God is and how holy he is, we begin to realize how undone we are. And so we we begin to confess our sins, our many, many sins. And then we literally are able to come into his presence in a clean way. And so if we're committed followers of Christ, we talk about being a committed follower of Christ. If we're committed followers of Jesus, we must be committed to prayer because Jesus was. There's no way that you can follow Christ. And there's no way that you can say that you're a faithful follower. You're a committed follower of Christ and not be committed to prayer. There's no way. Because we look back at his life and we realize that Jesus, you know, he modeled private time in prayer for the disciples and for us. And so he modeled these things. So here's what I love about that Jesus modeled that time in prayer over and over and over again to the point of where when the disciples asked him, they didn't say, Hey, Jesus, you know, you just got through doing the Sermon on the Mount. Greatest sermon ever done. So, hey, Jesus, would you teach us how to preach the way that you teach? You know, preach the way that you preach because you teach with authority. And it often said that the people were amazed because he taught as one with authority. And so the disciples did say, Hey, Jesus, will you teach us how to, how to preach the way that you preach they didn't teach. They didn't ask him. Say, Jesus, will you teach us how to heal? Because here's Jesus walking around. He's healing the lame. He's healing the blind. He's healing the deaf. He's healing lepers. He's touching lepers that nobody would even touch. And, but they didn't come to him and say, Jesus, will you teach us how to do these healings? But they knew that before and after most of these things that he did, he went to the Father in prayer. When we we see in some passages here. You know, after the. The feeding of the 5,000. You know, Jesus said he prayed over the, the bread and the fishes. And as he broke them, he, he gave God thanks. And we saw this incredible miracle where he feeds 5,000 just men. It was probably more than that. But it was 5,000 at least just men, women and children probably weren't even counted. And then they took up 12 basketfuls afterwards. So he prayed over that. And then, you know, he, he tells the disciples to move on. Look at this passage here. So after the feeding, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat... ...and crossed to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. So he tells them, hey, y'all get in a boat, y'all head on. And he sends everybody home. says, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. As we know in the rest of that story, he ends up coming to them on the... ...walking on the water. It's a, it's a powerful scene that we see in Scripture there. But Jesus went up and prayed. You know, he took that time to pull aside. And so if we're going to be a faithful follower of Christ... And follow his example, we've got to be willing to do that. Look at what it says here in, in Luke chapter 5. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He often pulled away. He often would, uh, would just go and be by himself and spend time in prayer. And so for you and for me, if we're going to say, hey, I'm a follower of Christ, then not only do we share the gospel and not only do we be, or are we to be missions-minded, but we are to be men of prayer and women of prayer and to be prayer warriors, if you will. And so we've got to be willing to find that intimate time alone with the Father. Jesus modeled it. Jesus said over and over, my will is to do the Father's will. And the only way that we can know that is to sometimes sit down and have a conversation with Him. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, I love for my kids to sometimes come and ask me you know, for wisdom, or, my, you know, hey, what do I think? Or sometimes they need me to help them with something. And as a loving father, you want to be able to help your kids. Well, we have a loving father who wants to meet with us. And, he wants to talk with us, and He wants to share with us incredible things. And so Jesus modeled that. Look, look here before the cross. You know, He's about to go to the cross. He's about to face the most horrible thing in history, the cross of Christ. He says, He walked away about a stone's throw, and He knelt down and prayed, Father, if You are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from Me. Yet I want Your will to be done, not Mine. Jesus was all about the Father's will. You know, and He knew the suffering He was about to endure. And he knew he was wearing this flesh. And he knew that, you know what, it was going to be a painful time. It was going to be a horrible time. But he said, hey, you know, not my will, but your will be done. And then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Gave him what he needed to make it through this tough, this tough season. He, he prayed more fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. In that passage there... Where it talks about that, you know, Jesus is in such anguish, physical anguish, uh, spiritual anguish, you know, emotional anguish. That literally the stress was causing his sweat to literally drop like drops of blood. And, and so there's a physiological thing that happens in our body when we're under a certain amount of stress. That, that, that There's certain you know, vessels that burst and literally cause that to happen. And so this was, here was God in flesh. So fully God, but yet fully man. So fully flesh. So Jesus knew what he was about to deal with, and he knew that, you know what, I've got to meet with the Father. I've got to be about prayer. And So there are things that we're going through, and some of you may be going through some tough seasons right now. Maybe you're not sweating drops of blood, but you're hurting, and you're going through a tough season, and you're going through a tough time, and, and man, there's days you just don't know if you can make it through the next day. You know, and so this pandemic has not helped. It maybe has added to it or compounded the situation. I just want to encourage you to you know, find that time of prayer. Just like here we see where Jesus, you know, goes to the Father and He literally sends Him strength. You know, God will meet you there and he'll, he'll help you with whatever you're dealing with. Whatever it may be, maybe it's something in marriage, maybe it's something with a child, you know, maybe it's financial. Whatever it might be, it just seems so large and so limiting. But meeting with the Father in a time of prayer will oftentimes bring about peace and strength to keep moving through. It didn't take away the cross. It didn't take away the punishment. It didn't take away the mock trials. It didn't take away the crucifixion. But what God did is He gave Jesus the strength and, the, and the, the power to keep moving forward in the midst of this so that you and I might have eternal life. So Jesus didn't go to the cross for any sin He committed. He went there for the sins that we had committed. And so shutting the door reveals God's place of priority. So whenever we we shut that door, and, and you know we talked about going into a prayer closet, and so but we see that you know Jesus oftentimes went into the wilderness. Well, he didn't shut a door, you know, but the, but shutting that door mentally, you know, and sometimes physically, you need a time to just hey, I need to block everything out. That could be going out on your back porch and you shut the door. It could be shutting off your phone. It could be shutting off your laptop. It could be shutting off technology. But just whatever you've got to do to literally give yourself that opportunity to be able to focus on who God is and to hear from the Lord. You know, some of us, we live, live all day long looking at a phone or if, you know, if, if somebody's not calling you, you're calling them. But to just be able to say, you know what, God, help me to focus on you. God, give me 10 minutes, 15 minutes of just focus on you. And if you really want to say, hey, I'm a follower of Christ, then you're going to find that time because that's what Jesus did, who is your leader and your Lord. So we've got to be willing to do that. But shutting that door reveals God's place of priority. Look at this statement here. And uh this is a, a reading from my my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. And and I love this 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 whole past this little statement right here. So check this out. It says, Unless you learn to open the door of your life completely and let God in from your first waking moment of each new day, you will be working on the wrong level throughout the day. He said, hey, listen, man, you need to start at the very beginning, setting the tone. But if you will swing the door of your life fully open and pray to your Father who is in the secret place, every public thing in your life will be marked, I love this, with the lasting imprint of the presence of God. So in other words, if we start our day by meeting with God, it puts a a tone, it sets a tone, and it puts a touch and an imprint, if you would, of you have been in the presence of God throughout your day. And so, man, what a powerful statement that if we get up and we meet with God first, it sets the tone for the rest of the day. Too often what we do is we think, hey, well, I'll just get with God later in the day. Man, I, I'm one of those that, you know, I wait till the last minute. I hit the snooze, I hit the snooze, hit the snooze, and then I roll out, I get in the shower, and then, man, I am booking all day long, and then late at night, then I, here's what you're doing. You're giving God your leftovers. Now, you might say, well, Mike, that's the only time I've got. No, it's the only time that you're taking. You've got time, you've got the same 24 hours in a day that anybody else does. It's just what are you willing to do with that time? And what we've got to be willing to say is, God, you know, I want you to be a priority. So by shutting that door, we say, God, you are the priority. God, I want to meet with you first before I meet with my wife or my husband or before I meet with my kids or before I meet with my workers or my business or whatever. But, God, you are the priority. It's kind of like writing a tithe check. When we write that tithe check first and not last, we're setting a priority. We're setting a tone. Whenever we say, God, you know, I want to give you my first fruits. In other words, this is the first fruits. The very first thing that I do, I give it to you. It, it's showing the priority of who God is in your life. If you just do it whenever it's down the road or, hey, we're giving him the leftovers, it's really not saying much about what kind of priority God is. And maybe it's saying more than we want to admit. But same way, whenever we get up and we meet with the Father, first thing. We don't go exercise. We don't go do this. We don't go do whatever. We meet with the Father first. We're setting the tone for the day. And just like that, that statement said, it said it imprints or has a, the fingerprints, if you will, of God all over the rest of your day. So I want to encourage you to find that time to meet with Him first, even if it's for five minutes. Five minutes in prayer. Five minutes beside your bed. Five minutes on the back porch, wherever. But you give God that first few minutes of your day and you ask Him to begin to search your heart. You ask Him to show you anything you need to confess. Give Him thanks for all that He's blessed with. And then you can stand in the gap for somebody else. And so, why pray in public? We've talked about praying in private. Jesus has talked about, you know, praying in private, but we also see that he prayed in public. He prayed, he blessed the fishes and the loaves. He, he prayed oftentimes, you know, over the disciples and stuff. But he prayed in public. So, why pray in public? It's to lead. You know, the whole thing about praying in public is to lead a group of people. It's to lead. Jesus prayed to lead the disciples, to teach them. And so, we pray in public to lead people and to move them towards some things. Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. It's the model prayer we see in Matthew here. And so he gives this model prayer. He says, pray like this. So he's telling them. He's teaching them. The disciples wanted to know. He said, all right, I'll teach you. So pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's modeling for them. Hey, these are some elements. These are some components that need to be a part of your prayer. Give us today the food we need. In other words, be dependent upon God. And and don't let anybody know, you know, don't be ashamed to let anybody know, hey man, I'm dependent upon God. You know, I, I, was, I read an article this past week, or is actually a, a Facebook post where a friend of mine, a guy that I haven't seen in years and years and years, he posted about how he and his wife had been praying about a new ministry. And so they literally were at a mountain out in West Texas and they were praying about this. And he said, man, we begin to face a mountain bigger than we were looking at in front of us. And we... We ask God to give us direction. So they went back and they quit their jobs. They were working at churches. And they quit their jobs and they began to literally switch everything over. They sold their house. They put it on the market, sold in the first day. And, uh, and so they, they sold their house and they started another ministry. It was a counseling ministry. And he was talking about all that God had done in that two years. And, uh, you know, they moved from the house where they'd raised their kids. They moved from the neighborhood where they had always known and he said it was just one of those moments where God said, hey, I've got a new work, a new thing I want you to be a part of. And he said, so everything that we did, we were fully dependent on God. So we had to trust God. And so, so give us today the food we need. In other words, you're dependent upon God. Pray that way that we, God, we need you. And we're not, we're not asking you just kind of be a part of this. We're, asking, we're telling you we need you. God, we need you. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. You're asking God, God, I want to ask you to forgive me. Search me. Show me anything that keeps me from being in right standing with you. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. There's an enemy. He's coming after us. Don't yield to him. So I want to give you five principles here, five biblical principles for public prayer. And I know some of you go, you know, I couldn't pray in public. You can. And there's a time for that. But I think we, we lose sight of what it's really about. And, and so I want to give you these. So five biblical reasons. Number one is desperation. And that, that's a good reason. And we are in desperate times right now as a nation. Uh, we need unity more than than I've seen in my lifetime. And, and we've always needed unity. There's always the evil one who is attacking. There's always you know his job of trying to cause separation and division. And here's the thing. If he can't do it in a church, he's going to do it out in the world. He's going to do it wherever he can. And so the thing that Jesus prayed in, in John chapter 17 was for, you know, for us to be one as the Father is one, as He and the Father are one. And so we see over and over and over again where Jesus is praying for unity and for us to be one, to, for, to be unified. Too often in the churches, we get divided over certain things. And so there is a desperation. And we look back through Scripture, we see there were times they were desperate. You know, whether it was the rebuilding of a wall, whether it was to be set free from, from, uh, from being, uh, you know, slaves there in Egypt. There was a desperation. And oftentimes when we get to a point where there is desperation, that is a time for us to come together and to publicly pray for our nation. That we come together and we corporately pray for our nation. So desperation is an opportunity for us to move into I mean, public or corporate, if you would, prayer. Desperation. Here's another one focus. There needs to be one focus. Powerful prayer is focused prayer. If we always have the shotgun blast, where we're praying for this and we're praying for that, and we're praying for this, and we're praying for that, it's kind of it becomes you know weathered down, or if you will, or or kind of dwindles down. But it's kind of like laser beam. If you take all this light and you can focus that light, man, it becomes something very powerful called a laser that literally is able to cut things. And so, whenever we pray. Our prayer needs to be focused, especially in a corporate prayer, that we're 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 praying for one thing, one focus. We're not praying for anybody and everybody's stuff, but we're praying for one thing. We're praying for the kingdom of God to be expanded. We're praying for the lost to be saved. We're praying for something that is, you know, that lines up with God's word. And so, as we pray corporately, there needs to be that one focus. We're not praying about everything. We're praying about one major thing. And so, focused prayer is a powerful thing. I remember. A guy said one time, he said, you know, whenever I begin to pray with someone And they begin to pray all over the world, I begin to pray against them Now that's a hard saying, but what he said, hey listen, we're to stay focused And here's what I would say again Again, what we talked about, the priority Is when we come into a time of prayer We're not praying for anybody and everybody's stuff We're praying to God and we're asking God for answers And so it's one focus and then the other thing would be one voice One voice What does that, what does that look like? And so And a congregation prays with the same theme. In other words, hey, this is what we're praying for. We're not praying for 40 different things. There's one theme. Maybe we're praying for God to provide an an opportunity. Maybe we're praying for God to provide resources. Maybe we're praying for God to, to provide the right leadership or whatever it might be. But we're praying for specific things and we take that time to have a focused time. So one voice. In other words, what if we had... All the people of Journey Church praying for one thing continually for days and days and days. Then it's one voice, almost like a a choir being lifted up to God in prayer over something. That's what we see with the nation of Israel. Oftentimes they would literally come together for corporate prayer, lifting up their voices as one voice, praying one prayer to a holy God, and God would often hear their prayer and respond. We need to be coming together as one prayer, one voice, lifting it up to God, asking for healing of our land, asking for the healing of our nation. And asking for leadership that would honor Him and live for Him. And then here's another one. Invoking the presence of God. Invoking the presence of God is pretty much inviting God to be in the, in the presence, you know, or to literally for His presence to fill this place. So when we come together for a time of prayer, you know, one of the things that you know, we pray for is the manifest presence of God. We know that the Bible tells us, hey, where two or more are gathered, there he is also. We understand that. We, we believe. But there's times whenever you're in a room and you're together praying with people and you just feel the presence of a holy God. You can almost cut it with a knife. It's so thick in there. And, and so what better place to experience that than in a corporate worship gathering where the church has said, hey, listen, we're going to have a focused time of prayer And man, as you're praying, you're you're inviting God's presence. You're inviting the the very manifestation of God's spirit to literally show up in that place to where people, whenever they walk out of there, they're not the same. You're not the same. I'm not the same. But you're invoking, you're inviting God's presence. God, fill this place with you. God, fill this place with your power and your presence. God, let us know that you are here. And, And there's something powerful about that. And whenever you do that corporately, Man, it changes people. There are people that are, that are radically changed by the power and the presence of God and they walk out of that room never the same. Here's the last one, agreement. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. You know, agreement is different than focus. You know, it's, it's everybody knowing and agreeing that, hey, you know what, we're praying for this. There, there's so many times, even in churches where you've got factions where people are like, hey, well, listen, I don't like this and, and I'm against this. And, and oftentimes they'll play the political game and they'll say, hey, well, listen, why don't you... Believe like we believe or vote like we vote or whatever. And so we have these rifts and we have these these splits, if you will, in churches. But what Jesus prayed for was for us to be one, to be unified. And so the biggest black eye for the church is when the church is divided and they're not on the same mission. They're not on the same page and they're not moving in the same direction. And it becomes turfism and it becomes my, what I want and you know, my needs and instead of what the, what is the needs of the kingdom of God. What is it that God wants to do? And so whenever we pray corporately, there there has to be that agreement. That we're praying in agreement. We're praying for the same focus with one voice. And man, we're praying for God to move and we're praying for God to show up. And so here's some next steps maybe for you today that you can begin in your time of prayer. And so the first one is I will commit to meet with God in prayer each day. You just make that commitment. Today you just say, you know what, God, I haven't met with you in a long time. God, I haven't set any time aside just to hear you speak. God, I I rush into my day. I try to do everything I can. I just ask you to bless what I do. And so, God, I want to confess to you that I have not been living dependent upon you. God, I've, I've not been a man of prayer. I've not been a woman of prayer. I've not been a person who seeks you first. And so maybe today you just ask God, God, will you forgive me for just running into the day and doing, doing, doing never even thinking about stopping to meet with you so maybe today you make that commitment said Jesus I want you to I want to ask if you will to come into my life and Jesus I want you to change me but Jesus I want to I want to meet with you daily so maybe for you it's to commit to meet with him each day in prayer to start your day that way here's another one I will establish a consistent place and time of prayer to start my day I know you can't meet in the same place every day because you may be working or you may have to you know, you may go on a trip, you may go on a vacation or whatever. But just say, you know what, I'm going to pull aside And it's going to be the same time if possible Maybe it's the first few minutes after I'm up I knew a guy years ago He was really good in sales And uh, he said he got up every morning He would kind of get up out of the bed He would spin around and then he would roll around He would get down on his knees And he would say, God, today is yours Whatever you want to do, I am open to it And whatever you, wherever you want me to go I'm willing to go God, just show me the path you want me to take today. He said, So I begin that every day that way. He said, I begin asking God and or giving God that day to God, it's whatever you want, wherever you want to go, I'm yours today. And so maybe that's all it takes. But you start that same consistent place. Maybe it's beside the bed. You start off every day. Down on your knees in prayer. Here's another one. I will seek to eliminate all distractions during my time of prayer. Turn the phone off. Leave it in the house. You know, put it in your truck. You know, leave the laptop. And I know a lot of you go, well, I get my devotion on my, on my phone or on my laptop. Well, then take a Bible out there. You know, buy a devotion that is a book and, and take it out there. But eliminate those distractions because it's so easy to kind of drift off to some kind of social media or maybe even the news or whatever. And so just eliminate those things. You know, ask your spouse or your, your husband or your wife, Hey, listen, I'm going to sit on the back porch and I'm going to have my quiet time. If you don't mind, just give me a few minutes. You know, or tell your kid, Hey, listen, I'm having a quiet time. I'm going to be in the study. Don't interrupt me. You know, just give me about five or ten minutes. And so, do everything you can to eliminate those distractions. Here's the last one. I'll commit to pray for my church and with my church. In other words, I want you to be praying with us. About, you know, us fulfilling the mission that God has given us. Whenever it says we envision being a church that, you know, that, man, where prayer is like breathing, you have a part in that. And we envision being a church that's that way. That we're, we're praying, man, as we're going through life. We're praying. We see a need. We're praying. And then we're asking God, God, how can we make a difference in that situation? And so maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never put your faith in Jesus for salvation. Man, I want to encourage you to do that today. Maybe you're saying, I, I want to be a faithful uh, follower of christ it starts with you praying a prayer it starts with you surrendering your heart and this prayer really it's not so much the prayer of your lips it's the prayer of your heart it's whenever your heart says god i, I surrender god i give you my life god i give you everything and you're saying jesus will you come and will you live in me and his answer is yes and so jesus will come and he will live within you and he'll live through you and here's the thing he's going to lead you to be a person of prayer and, and so that powerful prayer life is what we all should desire. I had someone shoot me a text this morning and say, Pastor Mike, how can I pray for you today? I said, Pray that I be a man of prayer. And so I would just say to you, you know, if you're wanting to receive Christ, man, my prayer for you is that you put your faith in Christ today for salvation and you believe that He went to the cross for you and that He can save you. By faith, we're saved. There's no works involved, it's by faith. But we pray that simple prayer. And I want to lead you through that prayer right now. Right where you are, just bow your heads. And just say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to be my leader, my Lord. I've been trying all this time to try to earn your grace and try to earn your salvation. And I realize today I can't do that. I can only receive it by faith. And so with all the faith that's in me, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to change me. I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. And Jesus, I want to live for you from this point forward. And he will answer that prayer if you are sincere and you you literally offer that to him in faith. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. I thank you for your love for us. God, I thank you that you want to communicate with us. You want to talk to us through prayer. Father, thank you for private times of prayer. Thank you for public times of prayer. God, I thank you for the power of prayer. God, I pray today, I pray right now, I pray that there's someone out there that has heard the gospel. God, that they would let us know so that we can walk with them on this journey called life. And Father, I thank you that you have the power to save souls. And God, again, we thank you for the power of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: If you just made a decision to follow Christ, we want you to know it is the greatest decision you have ever made. And we want to help you with your next steps. If you will take the phrase, my decision, to the number on your screen, we would love to help you as you start this journey with Christ. We're going to bring our tithes and offering to God. I want to encourage you to put God first in this area of your life. We do that through our giving. Now, we've made this super simple, so you should see a link on the screen and in the comment section to the Journey Church giving page. And there, you can return your tithes and offering. If you need help learning how to give online, we have multiple YouTube videos that can explain how to do so. Your giving allows us to continue making an increasing impact for the gospel. So take that step right now and allow God to bless your obedience. Again, thank you so much for joining us here at Journey Church Online. And we cannot wait to see you right back here next week.